So hello, everyone. This is Otessa, and you are listening to Conversations with Hysterical Women. That's Women with an X, the Hysterical Women podcast, where you are all welcome here, friends, allies, everywhere across the rainbow, across the binary. I'm just really glad to have you be here. This is meant to be a safe space to explore all of the weird things that life throws at us and all of the different ways in which we can be twisted and torn asunder, but also all the different ways that we can come back together. So thank you for listening. And I'm glad that you're here and going to be cheesy, but comment, like, subscribe. My name is Bridie Hine. So Bridie, um, I'm going to use this term, the ominous they, which to me is just toxic culture in general, right? So how do you think the ominous they views you? What boxes do you think they like oversimplify and put you in? I think that one of the really easy ones to put me in is that, you know, I'm kind of a not serious person or a not serious person because I am quick to laugh and I'm pretty upbeat. And I think that those are the things that especially with women are associated with a lack of intellectual rigor or a lack of um, serious engagement. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of at least with my own insecurities, maybe that's where I assume people go immediately yeah. when I open my mouth. <laughs> no, that's a fair thing. And I think that I, that definitely resonates and exists. Okay, so screw the ominous they. How would you describe yourself? I would describe myself as somebody who's actually fairly serious. I'm someone, I love to laugh. I love having fun. But I'm also someone who likes to listen. And I like sitting back. And I like being in a group setting where I can just kind of observe and absorb I love learning. I'm extremely curious and I like kind of, you know, I'm, I'm not a mechanical person in terms of like my hands, but I feel like, you know, I like getting around an issue and thinking about it in all these weird different ways. Yeah. Um, I think that that's something that has defined everything that I've done. So if I had to pick out like what is the most essential part of myself, it, it would be that. Awesome. <laughs> so... I know we talked about microaggressions before, but are there any other ones like most common, most annoying that you get? So I have been really, really lucky in my career. I've worked with a lot of male editors. All of them have been fantastic. Mm -hmm. The thing that I get most, though, is really from either other writers or people who are just starting out where they don't take my work seriously. Mm -hmm. um, I just had somebody reach out to me a while back who didn't take the time to look up my website or look up the work that I was doing before asking me how to get into the business, which really wrinkled me. Yeah. yeah. Or people who just kind of assume that since I'm a woman, the work that I'm doing must not be that important or that, you know, I, I've had people kind of make snide remarks about things when I'm writing like a style feature, you yeah. know, like, well, that's not hard hitting. Um, like you're not allowed to have multiple interests. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, or people who say things like, you know, oh, so you're, are you a real writer? And it's like, well, I don't know. I, I make my money writing. That's mostly what I get in my career. I did in um, my, when I did my first master's in international affairs, I did it in international affairs focused on Iranian politics mm -hmm. post-revolution. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, which is really fascinating. My parents fled the revolution by the skin of their teeth. My dad oh, was wow. on the very last plane that third time where they closed the airport and then when they opened it back up, it was under a new regime. He was on that plane that didn't get clearance. Then they actually, they stole that story from Argo. That's not how the Argo plane, but that was the plane that he was on. Sorry. How? Like, totally unrelated. But so I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, someone, someone I can talk about stuff with, but you probably know more than I do. Sorry. So, um, I got excited. <laughs> well, I, so I studied that yeah. and I wrote my thesis on the political evolution of the country from mm -hmm. 1900 through Rahani's election. 
you know, so it's something I was really deeply passionate about. I am still deeply passionate about, but I took a very line, you know, this is pre, this was like 2012, 2013. And I was in a program with a lot of ex-military men, a lot of white men, mm -hmm. international affairs just by its nature, a lot of white men. Um, and you know, I would say things like, you know, the regime is rational there. You can negotiate with them. They want to survive. They're not North Korea. Mm -hmm. And they'd be like, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. They will never reach a deal. They're just stalling for time. And so then in 2015, a deal is reached. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, look who called it. It right. is 23. <laughs> Check me out. But so I think that, yeah, it's the, the microaggressions that I encountered were just going back to the idea of people not taking me seriously. Yeah. This idea that, you know, I'm, I'm small, I'm female, I'm giggly. Therefore, I can't be serious. Therefore, your brain doesn't work. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's leaking out of my ears every time <laughs> I start laughing. Uh <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, so, okay. So, since it's Mental Health Awareness Month, what's what are you thinking about at this time, or what what are you what would you like to see in terms of like long term progress? In terms of mental health, mm -hmm. um, I would like. Huh, I don't know. Cause, like the. The conversation about mental health is moving so fast. Yeah. I mean, for me, for a long time, the thing that was really worrying to me was the fact that we didn't really have the tools for people to understand what they were going through if, say, they did not have a history of mental illness and encountered depression or anxiety. Like, I, that happened to me my freshman year of college. I moved away, became very depressed, and I didn't have the tools to yeah. figure out what that meant or what I was going through. I just felt like I'm like, well, shit, now I'm just failing. Like, yeah. that's just what this is. Um, so I think that the fact that we're at a place where people feel like they can talk about what they're going through more is great. Um, I do sometimes worry that we, uh, how do I say it? I worry sometimes that the culture of self-diagnosis can get away from itself. Mm -hmm. That, you know, there needs to be very reliable tools. There needs to be more than just people thinking, well, this is, you know, what I'm doing. This is what I'm going through. And then. Um, but of course that's hard because as I know, I didn't have health insurance for a year, so I couldn't go to yeah. see somebody. Yeah. So the only kind of diagnosis I have is self-diagnosis and dealing with it however I felt would be best. So I think that just if the whole culture of mental health could balance itself out in yeah. some way, I guess that's, if we would have a system in place to help people deal with wherever they're at, mm -hmm. whenever they're there. It's also, it's weird because it's like so endemic even. I, I read this interesting statistic, I think it was in Psychology Today, I wish I fact checked it, but um, that every year there are, it's like some multiple of the other factors. So like five times as many uh, new additions to the DSM yeah. versus like actual treatment regimens that are, you know, and I'm like, yeah. okay, great. So we're just, it's like we're Linnaeus and we're just like, oh, botany, this has that name, that has that name. And like, these are not plants. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do about it? And like effective treatment. Exactly. You know, how do we make sure that that's keeping up with it? How do we make sure we're not over medicating versus things that can be holistic? Like, yeah. I mean, there's just, I mean, even with like, you know, young boys being diagnosed with like ADD and ADHD and medicating them and talking to my brother, like, what else could we be doing to right. help people grapple with these things and help them deal with these things in a way that isn't going to be, you know, highly detrimental to their health or yeah. really disruptive to them personally? Like, it just, yeah, I think that the system is so broken. The way we talk about it is so broken. And we're making great strides. I'm just glad that we're talking about it, but it's like, okay, great, we're talking about it, but like, 
this is not a new issue. It's just a new conversation. Yeah. So like, let's, where do we go from here? Yeah, exactly. That's kind of my question. Like, yeah. Okay, so what do we do with the momentum? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you had a good answer for that. So, oh, okay. Um, what about this one? I saw an interesting article that was about, it was stemming off the Me Too movement. But instead of mourning great art by bad men, that we should be mourning the work we lost from their victims. Any thoughts on that? Oh my gosh, yes. I agree a lot. I don't know if it necessarily has to be an instead of Mm -hmm. scenario. Um, But I do think that we are at a time in our culture where we are able to recognize, A, how the system of harassment, intimidation, and even just general sexism has worked against women. And it's Mm -hmm. really kept a lot of stories away from us, kept art away from us. And I think we're also at a time where we can start recovering the history of women and culture. Yes. We can start finding the women writers who have been buried. We can start talking more about women artists. We can elevate these stories. I know that the author, um, Summer Brennan, has a great book coming out soon about a woman who was a muse of Mene, maybe? Hmm. Um, and she was always, they just said, oh, she's just a prostitute. But it turns out she's actually an incredibly intelligent, incredibly accomplished artist whose work has just been forgotten. Wow. And so she tracked her and figured out her story and, you know, kind of what happened to her work. And I think we're at a time where we can start doing that. And that that is so critically important. Like, yeah. it, like being sad is one thing. Recognizing we've lost a lot is one thing. We've got a lot of stuff we could be uncovering right now and building out the history that we've been told hasn't been there. Yeah. But I think that doing that, especially for women coming up now... You know, the idea that there's never been a female Einstein because women aren't as good. Like, we need to start replacing that with, well, actually, there's been women in science for centuries, yep. and here's what they did. Yeah. And, and there are so, even more. These are just the ones that we know about. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Totally. And so I think that that is the response to Me Too that I hope I see. I love that. Um, so why do you think people don't believe women? Um... Like, whether they speak out, like, whistleblowing. All oh, things like whistleblowers are always martyred. Why do people not believe women when, like, when I look historically on women who have blown the whistle? Yeah. They have not. They're, they're, people come for them. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. And then they're like, oh, she's just doing it for... I'm like, doing it for what? To have yeah, to be like, doxxed? There's literally... Like, like, I always love people who are like, okay, name one of the women who accused Bill Cosby. If they just wanted for fame, name one of them. Yeah. Like... It wasn't until we had, like... More than a Sports Illustrated calendar, and then they're yeah. like, "Oh, wait, well, maybe." Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think that in part, or at least, it's a culture that began as a means to maintain power, mm-hmm. because you know, a woman calling out the system is a threat. Yeah, and I think that maybe it evolved as a means to neutralize that threat, like just discredit women completely, and therefore you don't have to listen to them. Yeah, I think that we've also been on the short end of the stick in terms of mental health policy. We've been, you know, hysteria or, you know, women being able to be institutionalized by their husbands, things like that. So I think there's just been a whole constellation of things that works to silence women. And I think that we're at a time when we're seeing that for what it is. And the fact that it is an insidious thing, it's not just, oh, women are crazy, women, blah, 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 you can't trust them. Like, there's been, I think, maybe a not concerted effort to generate that kind of stereotype, but I think that it has been the effect of a lot of different things. Like, it's ultimately the effect of oppression, right? Certainly. 
So would you say that, because what really gets me is when women don't believe other women, is that Stockholm Syndrome? Like, what is that? I think it's definitely internalized misogyny. And I think that it's, um, you know, you're trying to prove yourself to the patriarchy. Yeah. You're trying to say, I'm not like them. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm a cool girl. I'm like you. Right. But the thing about that, I mean, it's true of women who do that. It's true of women who throw themselves in with people like Trump. You're never going to win. They're never going to respect you. They're never going to let you be the winner. You're always just a woman. Yeah. And unless you start fighting, that's all you'll ever be. Yeah. Okay. So my final question, what question are you not asked that you wish that people would ask you? Um, that's a really good question. I don't know, because I feel like I'm really lucky to have a lot of people in my life who take my work seriously, who take my interests seriously, who understand um, that those things are really intrinsic to who I am. Um, So I think that it's more just people on the peripheries, you know, Mm -hmm. when I go home. You know, it would be great if people would ask me about my career yeah. versus, you know, they ask my husband all the time, but mine is, you know, whatever. And they're like, oh, uh-huh. Like, and I don't know if it's just they don't understand how to ask about it. Yeah. But I think other than that, I don't have really anything that I, I I've been really, really lucky in the past few years mm-hmm. to, to have a constellation of people around me who are, who are extremely supportive and extremely engaged in what I'm doing. Yeah. So I don't really feel like I have any shortcoming there right. or anything that so I like the strong, And I think that speaks for a lot of the ways that we can solve or ameliorate or heal issues like this. It's just like having a good network, having a mesh. Yes. So like, kudos to you for having that, for building that, because that's not something that just like happens, it doesn't fall into your lap. Yeah. Like you actively create that and cultivate that. So that's amazing. So actually fake out. Okay. Yeah. One last question. So I feel like, the term crazy gets bantered about like, mm-hmm. like nobody's business like, all the time. Like either most recent time that you've been called crazy or most memorable time that you've been called crazy. That was just total bullshit. Oh my God. Okay. So this would definitely, <laughs> so I went through a phase where I was really into fighting with people on Facebook about yeah. politics. It was great. It was one of my was... closest friends still does that. Oh she trolls gosh. people on Breitbart. It's like how she gets her catharsis. So yes, I'm with you. I would post intelligent things. And then yeah. every hillbilly I knew would hop on and be uh-huh. like, what the heck is a man, man? And I'm like, the studies show. <laughs> um, so, no, like, we don't care about facts. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? <laughs> I don't trust Harvard. Um, so I I would have to say that that would be, that period I was called crazy a lot. And yeah. I think that it spoke a lot to the misogyny of it, mm-hmm. you know, because why am I crazy? Because I'm a liberal woman speaking out and yeah. I'm a liberal woman who you can't just shut up by intimidating me. I'm, I'm going to keep yelling about things that are fact and, you know, I'm going to keep sharing what I think is important and nuances of the conversation I think need to be eliminated. Yeah. And so I think that that, it, it speaks to how crazy is just used to silence. Right. And an interesting thing, and tell me if I'm like misunderstanding you, but something like a theme that I think that is sort of like uncovering through everyone else's amazing narratives is that like when these things happen, they're meant to silence us. But what is, now I'm going to use the term crazy, what is actually crazy is that it doesn't work. It might make you feel lonely and isolated and really unhappy and it might make you shed tears or whatever, 
But the reality is that it doesn't actually shut you up. Well, it's like hysteria, right? Or yeah. like telling a woman to calm down. Mm-hmm. And it's going to have the exact opposite yes. effect. Yeah. And then you, you just look more intense because like then you're actually upset. Yeah. And so I think that it, like, and that's the insidiousness of it. Because as soon as you do that, you're putting, you're placing yourself falsely above the fray that you've now created. And as women, it's really hard to, I think, not necessarily not come back from that, but hard to then gain the upper hand in the conversation again because they've thrown out this you're crazy right like that's i've dismissed you and anything you're doing to regain the conversation if you're not extremely aware of the way that it plays right it just reinforces this idea of you as losing your damn mind but do you think that in okay so in the sprint of it Mm -hmm. like there's no getting ahead right because there's no due process you're just called crazy you're immediately dismissed but in like the marathon sense of being called crazy of having done this and then refusing to stop speaking that you actually do get ahead? I think so. I think I think it's a weird time, especially if you're talking about like political conversations, because like what does it mean to get ahead when you're talking to people who don't love? Like you're never going to convince anyone. Yeah. But I do think that there is a certain point where if you don't let it go, A, you're going to be proven right by history. It's just that simple. And B, like... You can look at yourself in the mirror. Like, you know you did what was right. You know that you stood up for what was right and what you believe in. And I think that there is value in that, even if in the moment you're, like, so pissed off. (laughs) And you have to, like, you're refreshing Facebook or whatever. Like, like, this idiot. But I think that, I think that there, it's worth it. And it's worth keeping at it and worth, you know, really digging in there and being like, uh, no, excuse you. Like, you can't just get rid of me. What is that saying? Like, we're the uh, granddaughters of the witches you couldn't burn. Like, I always think of that. Like, guess what? You didn't burn them, yeah. and you're not going to burn me, yeah. and you can't get rid of me. And it's also great, too, because when that happens, I feel like we're able to find each other. Mm-hmm. And then, like, younger girls have, like, a network to find. Yes, exactly. I mean, I don't know what it would have meant to me if I was younger. You know, I kind of came up before, you know, before Twitter, before Facebook, before all these things. Yeah, no, really easy I had none of it, yeah. And, like, what would it have meant to me to have an organized movement like, you know, the March for Our Lives or to see the Women's March and, like, feel like I could be part of that, even if I'm just in a really small town? Mm-hmm. Like, what would that have done for me and my self-image if I had understood that there was a whole bunch of pissed-off women out yeah. there and I could be part of that? Yeah. It, it would have been amazing. Well... Like, we might not have had it then, but we have it now, exactly. and we're ensuring that it continues. So Exactly. For the culture. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. Of course. Anything awesome. else? Nothing okay. that I can think of.